Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Donaldson, Luke Moore with you. It's Luke and Pete Summer. How the devil are you, Luke? All right, I'm all right, thanks. How are you, Peter? We're ready to get going. This is What episode is this? Five? Episode five? How, how have we made it this far? How have we made it this far? It's the middle of summer. It is. We're both wearing shorts, our pasty white legs are out, and enjoying the air. <laughs> There's not much air in the studio, no, sadly. There isn't. There never, never is, mind. is there? <laughs> you've been all right? Pretty good, yeah. You've been, you've been keeping, uh, keeping yourself? Yeah, we keep myself in shape. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, you know the answer to that one. No. It's um, the summertime. I've been keeping out of trouble. That's the main thing. Okay. How about yourself? It's the summertime when the weather is something. In that song? Sh- yeah, it's horrible, see, isn't see, it? Oh, actually, we... straight off the bat, straight right. off the bat, um, a friend of mine at uni, mm. who I used to live with, used to go out with Mungo Jerry's daughter. <laughs> And he is wealthy on that one song. Wealthy. I bet he is. I mean, it's a very popular song, but what I would say in that song... Uh, drink as and I drive? think you were going to... Mo- was it? Have a drink, have a drive. Yeah. yeah. And also, if your daddy's... If her daddy's... Rich. Rich. Take her, take her out, out from here. If her daddy's... Poor, poor. Just to do what you feel. Do what you feel? <laughs> That's no message, is Seriously, it? Seriously. What does that... What is he meaning by that? Could you get hold of Mungo Jerry and find out exactly what that means? And if it means what I think it means... Caught, please. Seriously, if our daddy's poor, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. We do not respect the working class members of our society <laughs> in this country, and I'll have Dis- it no other way. Disgusting. Yeah. But anyway, he, he was very, very, very wealthy on mm. that one song alone, Mungo Jerry. What's his real name? Ray Dawson? Jerry. <laughs> I think Ray Dawson, maybe. Ray Dawson. But I have to say, I actually got, a week or two ago, I got um, mixed up with my drummers. I talked about Led Zeppelin reforming with Zach Starkey. It was, of course, Jason Bonham who played the drums. John Bonham's son. Oh, John son. Bonham's son. Zach Starkey was something else. Right. So, sorry about that. Zach Starkey played with Oasis for a while, didn't he? He did, yeah. 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 So, I, I got my drummers mixed up. I mean, sue me. I'm not a drummer. <laughs> it's been there one week <laughs> since we met, and we've been doing some things, haven't we, Luke? You, well, you say that, Pete. We, we haven't been doing an awful lot, have, have you we? been quite quiet? Yeah. Have you had a quiet time? I have. Oh. I'll tell you something now. The, the heady, dramatic days of a bird flying into my living room <laughs> feels like a different lifetime. I know. Feels so like quiet a, for you. Um, what I will say before we move on to the main part is mm. that... Um, I didn't tell you this, actually. I forgot to tell you. I was working at uh, a place which will remain nameless uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I, I promise you, there was almost a full-on adult fist fight in the office. Right? Is it the and place you uh, used to work? No. Right? No. no so it's, it's a different it's office. Else, it's oh, I think I know where it is. Okay, Brilliant. Pete. Pete, I, unlike you, I don't get that many jobs, so it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not difficult to yeah. narrow it down. Casual observers will be yeah. able to figure out exactly what this yeah. is. Yeah. What um, happened? Um, well. I can't really get to give you the details about giving all the, all the information away, so I won't, but... Just say parties A and B, possibly C. A, yeah, okay, par- no, it's parties A and B. Right. If anything, I was um, party C, and a friend of mine was party D, <laughs> and there was only four people in the office. Right. Uh, and um, 
It was one of those things where- It I'm was not, Mackie D. So, yeah, that was last week. Oh, yeah. uh, or the week before. It's, it's one of those situations where it's difficult to, to explain, but I hopefully you understand what I mean. Mm. You very rarely, in London anyway, you very rarely see in, in a sober daytime environment- A scrap. Uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Le- the closest you're going to get, and it's probably, I'm sure it's the same in all the other cities around the world um, as well, is the sort of commute annoyance type- Yeah, a bit of road rage maybe. Yeah, that type of stuff. On this, the A4. This was like a proper nose-to-nose- <laughs> I, I was thinking, I might have to step in and try and separate this. And I, uh, I, I know the place that you're talking about. No, you I don't. Know that, don't make well, a big deal out of I'm it. I'm not making a big deal out of it, but it sounds like the sort of thing that might happen more often than you think. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you, how do you rate yourself? It's, it's time out time. But Pete, you're not the sort of guy to step in and break up a, a scrap, are you? You know what, Luke? That you're bang wrong because I always will, and I have uh, got punched almost on uh, like several occasions. Certainly in a, in a football situation, but in pubs and stuff, I always jump in. So I, I and, and I've been threatened on more than occasions to get my, you know, teeth knocked in. <laughs> Thinking about it, that does sound more like you. It, what has happened is uh, on occasion I've sort of pulled a bloke back, and they've been sort of like, "Who is this person trying to pull me back?" And they'll look down at me because yeah. they're invariably bigger than me, mm. and they'll go, "Who the flip do you think you are?" Yeah, and I'll go. Or I've pulled off moth like and chewy. Yeah. Che- but you've I've stepped to this peacemaker and you're going to be involved if you like it or not. Yeah. Now. Yeah, okay. Peatmaker. Anyway, so I thought I'd mention that because I, I, I couldn't really think of um, another situation. I mean, I, I'll, be, I'll be absolutely delighted to hear from any listeners who's, who've witnessed a full on sober actual fist fight is in that, an office environment. Is that the end of the story? Two men almost had a fight. Well, it Could was- you sort of elucidate a little bit? Could you kind of like. Could you put? Was there a particular subject in question? Did it come out of nowhere? Was this kind of a simmering uh, problem these guys have had before? I think I've rhetorically bitten off more than I can chew. <laughs> <laughs> It was just like a, just just like a one man stepping up to another man yeah. because another man had done something pretty bad, and um, there was talk of if I was ten years younger and all this sort of stuff. Right, okay. And it, it got a little bit heated, <laughs> and a little bit more heated than you would normally associate as being comfortable in an office. Yes. But what I want to do is I want to hear from. I've never ever witnessed a full on fist fight in a sober office environment. I'm sure it must happen. I want to hear about it from listeners. Mm. I'm putting I don't, it out I don't there. Think I have. I've seen some flouncing, some world class flouncing, some people who's getting really upset because they can't have their own way. But you've always worked in the media, haven't you? <laughs> Yeah, the precious few fist fights going to break out there. Exactly. I've had loads of sort of office-based jobs that haven't related to the media, and I've also worked in, like, factories and done Mm. labouring and stuff like that, So, and I've still never seen anything too untoward. But there you go. Well, I I carry a flick knife for that very reason. Do you want me to to, to redo your little jingle? Because I feel feel like I digressed too much. Okay. It's been... There we go. That's much better. (laughs) Um, It's been one week since we we brought anything to the show show and tell table, Mm. Um, and those of a a keen-eared persuasion will remember last week, Peter, you brought something fascinating which was um was it last week or the week before i think it was last week we okay. talked about soviet money being dumped yes in a, in a disused rocket mine um and some investigating uh, went on and they actually found it well i would like to talk about money as well okay this time around i want to talk about um a book i've recently read mm. called uh, chaos magic and the band that burnt a million pounds by john higgs it's a the klf book. it's about the klf yeah KLF. and uh, for those um we, we often are guilty of, of dropping things in what we would call for the teenagers here i.e things that are basically too old for anyone yeah. younger than us to remember but the klf were a huge band it, it, it's under understated how huge they were in the early 90s particularly 
1991, where they were the biggest selling artist in the UK. Mm. If you think of the artists that were around then, I mean, Madonna, people like that, they, mm. they outsold everyone in the UK. Um, and, I didn't particularly um, like their music, though. That's why I, that's why I, f- why I find that more um, difficult to uh, understand. Get out. <laughs> I love them. One of, one of my favourites. Um, the KLF, a.k.a. the Justified Ages of Movement, a.k.a. the K Foundation. Um, you can read up about them online, but the, but the thing that's particularly notable about them is, is the type of characters they were. They're very mm. interesting, almost like artists for art's sake type. Yeah. type characters they disbanded in 1992 uh, and deleted their whole back catalogue um, so no one can purchase their music even now mm. so there's, that's probably why not many people talk about them now because their music isn't really part of the public consciousness now because you wouldn't see be. it on a Mercedes advert let's you say. wouldn't you wouldn't <laughs> but in 1992 after an appearance at the Brit Awards um, they um, they officially disbanded. At the Brit Awards, they had to be talked down from dismembering a sheep and chucking it into the crowd. <laughs> they compromised by doing a cover version of one of their singles, or no, a version of their own single, um, with Extreme Noise Terror, this mad sort of uh, death metal band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then they finished by... Um, Firing uh, machine guns with blanks in them into the audience, like proper machine guns with blanks, uh, and then on the way out of the of the of the of the show, they dumped this dead sheep outside the after show party, and then they were never seen again. But. Um, in 1995, they signed a pact and never talk about their endeavours ever again for 23 years, and they mm. never have done, so it's, that's coming up next year. Right. But what I want to talk about here is that um, on the 23rd of August 1994, they were left with a million pounds after all their expenses and all the tax and everything, their royalties amounted to roughly about a million pounds. Yeah. So the two of them, Jimmy Corty and Bill Drummond, um, took a observer journalist and a mate of theirs to film it, and they travelled up to the Isle of Jura. On, off, off the coast of Scotland um, and burnt the million pounds in its entirety. A million pounds worth of £50 notes um, in a disused boathouse on this remote Scottish island. Yeah. Um, Jim Reid, the writer who, who was there from the Observer, he, he, he was a witness. He's absolutely convinced it, it was real. It definitely happened. Um, they, it was later commented that about £900,000 of it went up in flames and around £100,000 were blown out the chimney. Right. Um, oh, so people could kind of well, go and collect it. Report, but there's no one living there other than like farmers mm. and and I, I don't really know too much about the population of Jura at the time. But there wasn't it wasn't hugely was populated. Was it a Scottish tennis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, and apparently fifty pound notes were being found by farmers locally for like a while after. One farmer found fifteen hundred pounds. Beautiful. He handed them to a local police station <sighs> and they tried to return it to um to to the two guys, but they didn't return their calls. Um, and a lot has been got has gone on since about why they did it and whether it was the right thing to do or not. Obviously, some people. Would say it's it's um it's sort of you know philosophically quite quite appalling given there's a lot of people around who would need that money and, mm. and all that other stuff and the only quotes i could find that they've that they've said about it really i mean the book is well worth a read but he's um one, one of them said the k foundation that's them um may not have changed or challenged much but they have certainly provoked thousands to question and analyze the power of money and the responsibilities of those who possess it and what could be more artistic than that essentially they took all their money burnt it uh, deleted all their back catalogue and have never really done an awful lot of music since um, and whether they will next year after their pact to, to, to have a vow mm. science runs out or not is, remains to be seen but I thought that is a fantastic story a, f- a very interesting story and, I w- and it definitely warrants further investigation which I would encourage and implore our listeners to do Why 23 years that they're not allowed to talk it, about it? They, they're, they're very like they had very sort of if you read a book and you read about them and read around them there's a very sort of um, 
symbolic of what they do. Mm. Like Bill Drummond, I think it's Bill Drummond. He used to work in the music industry, and the moment he hit age thirty-three and a third, mm. he quit the music industry because he said it was symbolic that that's the RPM of a record. Right. And so he didn't want to be involved <laughs> in it anymore, and he left. It's, it's full of loads of really weird stuff. You definitely <laughs> got to check it out. Um, they also released a record called Doctor, Doctor in the Tardis. It's a Time Lords. Yes. Remember that Doctor Who? I was a hey. big fan of that. That's, that's them as well. I was a big fan of uh, the Firm doing Star Trekking. Mm -hmm. It's a weird time, wasn't it? I don't think that's related. No. no. I bought a copy of that. You're just oh. talking novelty singles now, basically, aren't you? Yeah, but yeah. It, it, yeah, it was based on a sci-fi TV show, wasn't it? Yeah, true. Doctor true. the Medics. Yeah, true. Sorry, not no, it was, it was Dr. the Firm. Tardis. Yeah. The Firm. Who were the Firm? Uh, not sure. Yeah. Not sure, mate. Not sure. But but anyway, that that's what I thought I'd bring today. Um, it's a book I've recently finished. I, I'll just repeat the name of it again. Uh, Chaos, Magic and the Band That Burnt a Million Pounds by John Hicks. Fantastic. Very nice. Well, I did uh, some kind of uh, cultural nonsense today. Go on. <clears throat> I went to the um, Hokusai uh, exhibition with my mum and dad. You know that um, painter in Japan? Or rather, yeah. like, woodblock uh, Inca, I suppose you'd call him. Yeah. Uh, who created that massive kind of great wave, that Japanese kind of artistry. Um, you know, I like proper bum J Japan. Yeah, and, I know you love it. And, yeah. and, and the first week probably was a little bit too Japan heavy. But, um, how, yeah. did, how did your parents enjoy it? Uh, they enjoyed it uh, quite a lot, and my mum was very taken with a particular dragon. She was obsessed with this bloody oh, dragon. She was very annoyed. No, didn't find it. she didn't find it in your dad's study, did she? <laughs> she <laughs> no. Throw back to oh, episode yeah, two. Oh, that God! <laughs> I blocked that out of my mind. Yeah, yeah he, uh, my dad, um, my dad's quite infuriating at uh, stuff like that. It was a very busy exhibition. It was one of those kind of special yeah. ones on at the British Museum. Yeah, okay. And it's always very, very busy. Those those kind of special uh, things that only last for a f for a few weeks' time. But we managed to get in, uh, and we had a shifty around. What I would say is that um, it's a legendary um, painting that I think he painted it when he was um, about uh, 73, 75, something like right. that. And he basically, he's been painting all his life and he basically said every piece of art before this time was a waste of everyone's time, was a waste <laughs> of time. It was rubbish. Uh, but now I've created something that I can, you know, genuinely call art, which is incredible. That's 70 odd and incredible going, statement. all the stuff I've worked on all my life. Yeah. I don't know if you how Japanese woodblocks work, but like, basically. No, let's, let's assume, Pete, that everyone listening at home. I mean, I obviously know all about this, but <laughs> all, all the listeners at home don't know, so would you please explain it for them? A him? man, it's kind of like your t shirt, to be honest. You've got this lovely kind of fox design that's got very um, deliberate kind of. That's not going to help them. No, it's still no. not going to help. No. But uh, basically, you, uh, you paint or draw a, a painting and then you send it to a woodcarver. And he basically carves out the shapes um, and, and, and the blocks, effectively, mm -hmm. uh, of the different colours. Like, do you they know, like, use those to print? Or? Yeah. Like, yeah okay. So like a modern, um, like like uh, a screen printer, for example. Yeah, okay, yeah. You would um, cut down or, you, or, or basically separate the picture into constituent colours and shapes and then, you know, rebuild it again mm -hmm. as an ink kind of process, effectively. Yeah, okay, right, so, yeah. so one guy basically has to go around and carve out these very, very ornate um, designs in, in kind of soft rosewood. I think right. it was Rosewood anyway. But there's very little chat about the guy who spent all of his time doing, that, yeah. doing it. It's all a lot of love for the guy, Hokusai, who uh, so was the artist in the first place. There's a middleman in this. Yeah. Who, who essentially remains unknown. Yeah, and okay. also he, his, his celebrated works, or more of his celebrated works, seem to include uh, the ink Prussian blue, which is obviously very new at the time, yeah. uh, imported in. Nobody talks about that. No. Nobody talks about the masses of Prussian blue uh, he, he managed to get hold of. So, um... 
Yeah, so, it's, so basically there's one little note that he sends to his woodcarver and he's complaining to the woodblock guy that um, he's doing the eyes wrong. <laughs> he's going, stop <laughs> doing my eyes wrong. Really? I don't, there is a fashion that you do the eyes like this, but I don't like it like this. I think it's gauche, I think it's terrible. Oh, and that note do it in a different way. And the, no, the notes in the museum, which I quite liked. So, so your dad's a bit of a character, as, as people yeah. who've listened to our, our oeuvre will, will know. Um, what, what, what was his take on it? I mean, I mean do, do we know that much about my dad? He, he, he's quite unique in that he gets up at three o'clock in the morning, yeah. um, watches box sets until yeah. eight o'clock, goes to work, does little photoshops of people yeah, at work that, and I mean, stuff. The, the, I guess the sort of fairest way I could describe your dad is that when I learnt more about your dad, my experiences with you made a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. <laughs> the last time uh, I went to an exhibition with my dad, it was the um, Crime Museum. Did you ever go to the Crime Museum? No. It was on for a brief period at the Museum of London, I, I, I did, I did. I went to the Museum of London, in, in East London. Uh, well, it's, it's kind of like in Whitechapel kind of way. Isn't, isn't it by isn't Barbican, isn't it? Barbican, sorry, yeah, Barbican, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, did you see the crappy binoculars? That uh, it was kind of on a lot of the posters, uh, and basically it was just <laughs> it was a um, a pair of binoculars that a spurned lover had given to his ex lady friend, right. with basically spikes that came out of the eye holes when you lifted them up to your to your eyes. Incredible, incredible, but only a blind person would look at those and go, oh, it's a pair of binoculars. Right. I'm going to put them to my eyes. So and even so, why would a blind person do that? Because it didn't look anything like a pair of binoculars, basically. <laughs> he carved it out of wood, and the spikes were, like, just stupid looking. Yeah. That nobody would ever go, so I'm going to put that to my eye. So it didn't work? It didn't work. It didn't no. work. Basically. It, most murderers, it seems, are just fucking idiots. I would have been a brilliant murderer back in the day, because, like, most of the people on all of the exhibits got found out because they just got drunk and mouthed off about how right. many murders they did. I often wonder it's about that. It's boasting half I, the time. I often wonder because uh, that, you're, it's funny you say it because I've long thought that clearly if you read any sort of true crime or you get involved in, in mm. the true crime stuff on Netflix or that sort of stuff which is big now I mean it's big in podcasts as well yeah. it seems to be that a lot of detectives will, will say or a lot of people who are much more sort of learned in this area than you and I would say it's the ultimate ego crime it's like it's like yeah. the sort of crime that you would do if you are. I mean, aside from the sort of you know the spurned lover in the heat of the mm. moment, crime of passion type stuff. But if you're murdering people, you're and you're planning it. It's the ultimate ego-driven crime, right? Mm. So I, I've often thought, surely a huge amount of them must get caught out just by their own idiocy and their own uh, their own un. Uh, inability to not talk about it. But also, I guess, it's a very lonely existence. I mean, A, you're killing people you could be talking to. Yeah. And, and B, <laughs> um, like, y you can't... T it's a very extreme and unique experience, and not many people in the world have ever experienced that. Yeah. How do you go about living that with that not yeah. you know quite apart from the guilt of ending someone's life like it's quite a unique experience and you'd probably want to talk to somebody about how unique that is effectively and go oh, I killed a block are you putting a shout out we I'm do not want to hear from if you if anyone has murdered we do not want to hear hello from you hello at lookingpeter.com no, no, not hello goodbye 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 so your dad enjoyed the crime museum he, as well. we did enjoy the crime museum he, he particularly enjoyed the uh, knuckle dusters uh, exhibition bit which oh, yeah. is just a load of knuckle dusters that wrongans in London what, homemade used. ones and stuff yeah just yeah. homemade ones, little ones that people have forged themselves. Um, and my dad did tell me that, um, but he said, he said, uh, oh, my, my brother got chucked out of the army for uh, punching his commanding officer with a pair of uh, knuckle dusters. And the most beautiful uh, <laughs> sentence kit fell from my dad's lips. His face opened up like a chrysanthemum. Oh, my goodness. My dad's brother said. So oh, my there we goodness. Go. You, do you know... Um, my you dad is from a family of wrongans. Your dad's told some funny old stories, which maybe you can, uh, you can enlighten us with later, but... You know, you know, notable millionaire and dr man from Dragons Den, Duncan Bannatyne. Yes, 
Did he? Am I right in saying he got kicked out of the navy for chucking his his officer off the side of the ship? <laughs> uh, that rings a bell. I think yeah, he got dishonorably discharged. Dishonorably discharged, something like that. Yeah. I, and um, I was just going to just remind him. Were you going to move on to Dirty Den, killing a man, <laughs> no. and then becoming host of Fort Boyard? No, I wasn't. I wasn't actually. Yeah. I was going on a different angle. I was going to go <laughs> for um, talking about museums. Have you been to the Mary Rose Museum in Portsmouth? No, it's, I've been to Portsmouth. The Mary, I'm telling as soon you, as now, I get there, I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. But the Mary Rose Museum will transport you to the mid 16th century, so it might, <laughs> it might, be, a little bit, might be a little bit more uh, palatable. And if you go into any of the pubs in Portsmouth, it transforms you to transports you to the mid 70s. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that, is, uh, that couldn't be more correct. But the um, the uh, the Mary Rose Museum is, is fascinating. And uh, forgive me if I'm telling you something you already know, but the Mary Rose was was the flagship of Henry VIII. So in the mid 16th century, mm. it sailed from from Portsmouth, and on its maiden voyage, it sank. And then there's a lot of theories about why it sank. I'm going off piece, though. I haven't got notes on it, but um, um, it, possibly because it was overloaded with guns or possibly because it left the gun uh, windows open, whatever, it sank. But the, the beauty of it was it sank and, and essentially half buried itself in the silt at the bottom of the Solent. Right. So it's really well Perfectly preserved. Perfectly preserved, yeah. So they, 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 ra- they, ra- they raised it up in, about, in the mid-80s and, mm. and they've been preserving it ever since. But what's happened now is you can go in there and look at it and they, and they have got incredible stuff. They've got like... And bear in mind, this is, you know, this is 500 years ago. Yeah. They've got full preserved like backgammon sets. They've got full mm. skeleton of the ship's dock. They, mm. And it's all, it's all assembled. They've got e- everything you can think of is in there. It's a, a brilliant museum. It's one of the best museums I've ever been to. I'd heartily recommend it. It's, really, it's always really busy, but it's worth going there. There was a similar one in Stockholm uh, that had a similar situation. It sort of fell in the in the silt and it completely right. And, and they what, raised a Viking it up. Ship or yeah, Viking ship. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it, everything is just beautifully preserved yeah. in it. It's fantastic. Have you have you seen um, have you seen that TV show American Gods? No, not yet. You no. heard of it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I watched the first Love episode. Joy and the Man from um, Hollyoaks in it. Right. Oh, I recognised him. I didn't know mm. where from. That's, you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm not going to go into a big spoiler, but I only watched A lot the, of willies in there, Luke. I only watched the first episode. Well, prepare for willies. But the, but the opening scene, the first episode, do you remember it? No. Have you, have you I've seen, not seen it? it? I've okay. not seen it. I, I won't give too much away, but it is an amazing um, scene of a load of Vikings uh, discovering a new island. It is the most visceral scene <laughs> I think I've, I've almost ever seen. It's well worth having a look. It's really mm. interesting. A few, few weeks ago now, uh, I came through Portsmouth and I checked my credit card receipt and um, basically next to Hovercraft... Mm-hmm. It said Monkey World because okay. I've been on the Isle of Wight, and yeah. I mean Hovercraft and Monkey World. I live a life, don't I? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Hovercraft and Monkey could World. You could combine the two, perhaps. <laughs> Couple of uniforms, you'd be away. <laughs> <laughs> the most disappointing thing about going over to over the Solent to the Isle of Wight and back on a hovercraft is that you're not allowed to sit on the top. No, because you'd be sucked into the engines. It's also, it's also absolutely brutal when it comes into Portsmouth with all the uh, shingle being whipped up and mm. stuff. It's, it's quite a fascinating thing. Hovercrafts are quite interesting. Yeah. Let's not go down the hovercraft route. On They're this. very seventies. Yeah, well, it's something speaking about my dad and his horrible stories about his brothers and you know just, just horrible things in his life. Something we did for another show back in the day, um, not back in the day last year, uh, for our Aircast specials it was basically me interviewing my dad. And uh, for better or worse, perhaps a good percentage of you guys might not have heard it so look what do you reckon i bust out a little bit of me versus me dad uh, in hope of kind of understanding me a little bit more yeah i've heard this and it's bloody good so i would recommend <laughs> it so you give, give him a slice knock out so i'm just basically going to ask you a few questions about your life and also give uh the listeners uh, a little bit of an idea about our um about our beautiful relationship dad oh no we're not talking feelings <laughs> 
No. All right, OK, right. Nice. I've got a few stories, right, that I remember from my childhood that you uh, have mentioned, right? Mm. And I, I just basically need a couple of explanations, basically. Number one... In the Navy, when you uh, filtered metal polish through a loaf of bread? Uh, sock. What? Sock. What, just one sock? No, it was a couple of socks. <laughs> right, OK. You said it was a loaf of bread. No, I didn't know. That was what they do in the, uh, in the penitentiary. State penders do that. This is a Navy. This is a, well, no it, was, no, it wasn't even a Navy thing. It was just an experiment we thought we'd try. It was just absolutely disgusting. Right, so... nobody got rat, rat ass to it, no. So it was metal pot. I mean, it's a wonder you didn't get brain damage. You got, a, you got Any, No, well, anyway, it, it, it didn't work. It was... Unt- you, couldn't, you couldn't drink it. It was horrible. Right. But it was just worth a try because somebody read about it. <laughs> and you get bored in the middle of the water. All right, then. So it was in the Navy and you were on a boat and you were drinking metal polish. Uh, mm, it yeah. It's like, it's like the, bottle of, the bottle of vodka with me and me. Well, it wasn't vodka. It was uh, anisette. We bought a bottle of uh, anisette uh, yeah. illegally and we snuggled it back on board and uh, me and me mate George uh, went down the, uh, down the switchboard, the electrical switchboard, and... Uh, uh, drank it basically, and uh, the next morning, uh, hung over, turned to, went to work, went up the workshop, and uh, George had an epileptic fit. And I thought, oh my god, that's what's going to happen to me. <laughs> and I was panicking all morning. On, it you... was his first epileptic fit, but we weren't sure about, the, about this anaesthetic because the, the, the label was stuck skew with on the bottle. <laughs> So it was a real, and it had, had a crown cap, you know, like a beer bottle cap. Right. And it was a big bottle of really strong uh, anisette. Uh, anyway, I was I was panning it all morning because I thought, oh my god, that's what's going to happen to me. I'm going to, I'm going to have a fit. <laughs> oh, you weren't worried about your friend that you gave him some anisette oh, and he no, had well, an epileptic fit. The chief, the chief had a brilliant idea. The first day, he says, uh, don't make him, don't let him bite his tongue. So the chief put his hand in his mouth and George <laughs> bit his. While you're having the fit. <laughs> Good lord! And this you were all at you were literally all at sea. Yes, yes. drinking no, 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 this, no, this, no, this is no, this is no, this is Right, okay. <laughs> what I like about that is, Dad, I what? came at you with uh, a, a drinking story that involved you drinking brasso, and you managed to one up me with epilepsy. <laughs> No, well, actually, it, we, his sister had it, but he'd never had it before. Ah. It was his first fit, and that was it. Well, basically, he uh, he got uh, booted out after that. Because you can't have him climbing about the yard and having a fit, can you? So, right, so you had... So you gave him a bottle of anisette. No, we bought... We, we, we were both apprentices, and we didn't have much money, and we went to this back street uh, place that bought this rubbishy stuff anyway. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you once told me a story where you uh, were on a night out and you pulled back a curtain and there was oh, a... Oh, yes, that's a, oh, that was, uh, that was uh, St Vincent, that. St Vincent, yeah, in the, in the West Indies, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So you pulled back a no, curtain... No, what it was, we were out on the... We, was out, we were out uh, basically just down this dirt track and um, we were in the... It was just a bar. It was just a, basically a bar with a bloke behind the counter and... Uh, a couple of tables in a, in a shack, really, and uh, we were having a drink, and then uh, I says, oh, I just got the toilet, and there's like a curtain, and I says, uh, uh, toilet, mate, he says, oh, yeah, just throw there, just down, down the passage, so I pulled the curtain back, and there's like all the 
corridor, but it was like curtains either side. Oh, well, whereas the toilet, there wasn't like gents or ladies or anything. Mm. So I just pulled the curtain back, and there was this uh, man having there. Uh, I didn't realise it was a knocking shop. Right, anyway, okay. anyway, it was a brothel, anyway, and uh, I didn't realise. Anyway, this uh, big lad, uh, he jumped up naked and pulled out a machete. I thought, well, why, why, would you go, why would you go to a brothel with a machete? I mean, it makes no sense. Anyway, um, I just turned, hit, turned tail and just ran and ran and ran. We may just watch me run through, the, through, run through the bar and just carried on drinking and just watch this bloke chase after me. Why, why did he go from... Um loving to fighting so quickly is the I question. don't know I don't know why I got upset I, I said I'm sorry I didn't, I didn't mean to bust up the party like I just I thought it was the toilet you know what I mean <laughs> anyway sadly enough uh, when I was when I was I was running I, I distance, I'm surprised I outdistanced I think it was because he was naked he, he gave up after a bit anyway now I kept on running and uh, it was in the dark and I fell down a monsoon ditch and cracked my ankle Ugh. anyway Never mind. <laughs> um, finally for now, uh, air rifle. Air rifle, yes. You once accused me without, yes, of air rifle. without proof yes. of breaking your air rifle, and you said the only way it could have been broken is if someone had fired it. Now, Dad, I can exclusively reveal I never touched that air rifle. I know. Actually, I realised that there now. Well, I, I, later. But I wasn't going to own up to you. Because you were only It was the fact that it was a cheap... Italian air rifle. Don't have got the Italians. No, 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 no. It was, it, it, oh, they used to churn them out like I'm Sam and they were rubbish. <laughs> uh, and I, basically, I just went for the cheapest option and uh, basically... Uh, Bro- literally, literally broke it yourself? Uh, well, not strictly speaking. It was the co- it was the cocking mechanism. Well, it was the cocking mechanism and the lo- there was a loading tray, which really didn't really work because it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't a proper pneumatic seal on it anyway. Basically, it was a it was a bag of garbage, and I should never have bought it. Well, you shouldn't have so blamed me for breaking took, it. I just I just took my rage out on you. <laughs> well, as like, long as you didn't like, turn the gun on me, because that's what you're there for. <laughs> Um, Dad, you've been incredibly good value. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. You've... Right, OK, then. <laughs> right. Um, all right, Dad, well, you get off to bed. Radio, then. Sweet dreams. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Goodbye. Okay, Luke, don't gunge me, mate. Pipe down, Pete. I told you never to argue with the customers. Never argue with the customers. You're always doing that. That's why you, that's why you should not be employed in a customer service role. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's, time, it's time for the email section, Luke. I was just going to say, it's good to hear from, you, from your old man, but yeah, well, yeah. Let's, let's move on to the emails. I mean, before we get into these, um, one thing that's important to point out is that we have been absolutely bombarded with toilet slash fecal matter related emails. Yeah, I'm I mean, thinking of doing like a post special next week. Okay. It's, they're all, right. all largely based around workplaces as well. Yeah. Epidemic level. <laughs> it's, it's disgusting. It is disgusting. It, one of the things you can't, you can't. You can't read more than a few of them. No. I mean, it's too much. Not do, do, while do, you're eating. Do you remember that website back in the day, ratemypoo.com? 
No. There was a website. Were you getting involved with that caper? No, I wasn't, but uh, it, it did a sort of, I mean, I guess before viral sort of content really existed, it did the mm. rounds, people were sharing it on email and stuff, and, and it was like people would basically take photos of their, of their mm. passing, um, of, of fecal matter, mm. and uh, uploaded them to the internet, and people were rating them out of ten. And But the thing was, it was like, oh, look, that's funny, it's a novelty. Oh, about three of them, you're like, I feel sick. <laughs> I'm like it's, it's a bit I, like that. I, there's, nothing wh- there's nothing more beautiful than your own poo, and there's nothing more disgusting than someone else's. Uh, emails. <laughs> <laughs> I once interviewed Chris Pratt of uh, Parks and Rec fame, and oh, yeah? he um, told me uh, this is out in the open, I'm sure. But uh, he sends uh, Nick Offerman, also of Parks and Rec, pictures of his poo, and Nick That's Offerman funny. sends uh, pictures of his poo to him. Wow! And what, they, what they a, still do it even to this very day, which I quite like. What a bromance! What a bromance! Let's Poo-mance. not go down that route ourselves, Pete. You and I. Yeah. We're more colleagues, aren't we? So it's <laughs> not it. Um, first email up is f- uh, from John, who's from Portsmouth. So, but okay. Of Portsmouth wow. heavy special this week. And we're getting into themes by accident, really, aren't we? We <laughs> fall into them. Did a food one a while ago. Yeah. By accident. Anyway, he says hi, Pete and Luke. How are you? Um, I've written in to do a follow-up on your discussion on ghosts. Okay. Which I think you might find interesting. This is back way back in week one. Mm. You talked uh, very interestingly about, if, 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 if I may say so, about mm. Japanese ghosts. He says, I currently study music technology at university, and one of the aspects that we study is acoustics. And your chat about ghosts made me think about standing waves. Standing waves occur when half of a wavelength of a low frequency is the same as a dimension of a room. So low-frequency wavelengths can be metres long, basically. Mm. This can cause either a drop or a gain in the perception of that frequency. Humans can only hear between the frequency range of 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz, so any sound that has a frequency below 20 hertz cannot be heard. There was a study done in 1998 which mentioned objects vibrating and ghostly apparitions being seen in a haunted lab where an extractor fan was found to be emitting an 18.98 hertz frequency. This is the same frequency at which the human eye can resonate, and the room's length with exactly half a wavelength of that frequency, thus causing a standing wave. What are the chances of that? Well, which may have caused an an optical illusion. Um, Yeah, it's a weird coincidence. Infrasound can also produce feelings of anxiety, sorrow, and chills. For example, if you've ever been to a particularly loud gig and stood close to the subwoofers, you'll know you can also feel the sound moving when there is enough power behind it. Uh, Infrasound frequencies are very strong and can travel for miles too. Um, So he said Japan, plus lots of volcanoes and earthquakes, could equal yokai. So that would be my guess as to what's happening when people see ghosts. Fantastic. Yeah, that's from I John. Mean, he, that says, was... I hope, he said, I hope that's not too dry for you. I said, John, <laughs> John, you have explained yourself very well there, because I am not at all scientifically minded, as much as I like to think I am, and I get that, and it sounds interesting. I don't think... He could be talking nonsense, but it, we just but don't it feels know. In, it, it taps into what you've said uh, sort of consistently throughout this pro- this process, this, this, uh, this <laughs> series, where you've said that you're a science you're a science man, you're not interested in yeah. in the sort of, um, the uh, I guess, the ephemeral, the, or the sort of... Um, you know the, the paranormal, if you like that mm. type of stuff. So, I mean, it does seem to be that John has is, is, is cracked that, and he's solved the mystery of ghosts. If you look into an owl's ear, you can see its optic nerve. Nerve. Okay. So, what I would say is, there's enough crazy shit happening in nature to not worry about the other stuff. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, I find I find that um, I, I find that fascinating. I also find it interesting when people sort of um, try and sort of deny evolution for example mm. um, which which can be really summed up by one word which is heredity I mean it's, her- it's essentially heredity we're talking mm. about and I, I also and, and what reason I bring that up is because some people say what about the human eye what about the eye and it's, it's impossible to imagine how an eye something so complex could have come about and I actually think the opposite I think it'd be very very easy to understand how um, you know Light, light sensitive cells on the side of a fish for example billions of years ago would 
would be benefit that fish hmm. and so therefore that's how it starts and they get slowly more complex over a, a, a vast a huge amount of time i think the problem is that people can't understand how long that process has taken Quite exactly human that's mind, the, human mind isn't able to, to yeah. fully appreciate that i don't think you have to take a bit of a leap don't you yeah. but but um yeah so so i i find that i find that pretty i, I mean one of the things that's interesting about this sort of stuff is John's done a great job there to my to the layman's uh, ear to, of, of describing that. Don't bring ears into it. No, we've got <laughs> time for that. But do you think that um, do you think that there's just too much stuff in the universe for people to ever be able to understand, or do you think that ultimately, given a long enough time frame, science could explain everything? Uh, well, no, because then surely you'd have to explain the scientists, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. could, isn't that that kind of like old kind of thing where it's like if if the human brain was simply enough for us to understand? Yeah. On a molecular level, we'd be too stupid. We'd be to too stupid to be so able it's to a paradox, it. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. What about this email from Joe? Uh, he says, "Hi, Luke and Pete. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Well, we've only done six, mm. five episodes, so you're not really sure you've been a long time listener." He says, "Last week's episode spoke to me." Um, <laughs> You'd hope so, wouldn't you? I think this is an email sort of going going a few weeks back. He says. Um, I now question does the show exist or do I put my headphones in and daydream because I hate my job we are not the Tyler Durden no. podcast we do, we, do, we do genuinely exist I mean this is how we do spend our time depressingly enough he says flying back from a business trip on Friday I watched a fruit fly making its way around my plane all I could think about was was this fly was flying around a giant human made fly that was also flying <laughs> uh, would this fly enjoy its visit to Baltimore can't answer that yeah. he says anyway my question is for Luke my landlord installed a piece of plastic under our deck um, well, this is, he says this question is for me but actually I think you can answer this better. He says, My landlord installed a piece of plastic under our deck so we could go outside and grill when it rains. However, a family of pigeons decided the small gap between the deck and plastic rain guard was the perfect place to nest and now attacks anyone who exits the back door. How should I prove I am the dominant species on this planet? Thanks, Joe. Stamp them into a jam. A show of strength. A show of strength. Yeah. Or you could sit the pigeons down and explain to them that, look, I'm trying to barbecue out here, lads. Yeah. Leave me alone. Or chuck one of their family on the barbecue to show them what could happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, show them all the ranges of birds you've eaten recently. Yeah, different shows of strength. I'll tell you yeah. what I could do. I mean, it might be a bit of a trek, but I could get. I could call on my two cats, Hercules and Magnus, to go mm. out because they, they're brilliant at catching birds. Yeah, they, well, not the one that was in your house. Well, they, 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 they were nowhere to be seen then. That right. was disgraceful. <laughs> that's bad by then. That's a dereliction of duty. Bad but boys. What, what one thing that's clear to me now and was, wasn't clear to me before I got the two cats is that I didn't know whether it would be worse cleaning up a dead mouse or a dead bird. Do you a, now know that? A dead bird is much worse. Right. Because there tends to be a load of struggle and the feathers go everywhere. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever considered how many feathers are on a, a normal sized bird? No. Because I, I think I've I was never been of, that bad. I, sort of, I was sort of seduced into thinking it might be about 20. Mm. It's about 5,000. When, when you see them mashed into a, a floor or a, a road. Yeah. Did I t- did, have I told the story about the, no. um, the bus running over a, a pigeon? No. I was sort of thinking, I, I always think, uh, you know, in a crisis I'm pretty good. I reckon, you know, if there was something dreadful might happen or someone uh, fell ill, I could probably, you know, I've got fantasies of if someone got disemboweled, I could push the guts back into the body and, and, and like, marine style, make the person lift their knees up to their chest. What are keep, you talking and about here? In, and keep the guts in. This is you're the man for the job here, are you? Yeah, well, I'm thinking I'll know what to do. I could probably do a tracheotomy. But all of those fantasies just went up with a, with a, puff of pigeon blood <laughs> when I saw a pigeon just get run over by a bus on Oxford Street and it just went bang right 
And uh, I knocked me for sick, to be honest. Six. I was sick. I was nearly sick. <laughs> Were you? Luke. I was nearly well, sick. Did you, actually, did you actually witness it? Yeah. I, I watched the pigeon and I went, that's <laughs> close to the bang. Oh, God, I'm going to be sick. Did it Did it almost, like, explode on the screen? <laughs> like, left for dead, too. But was, but was it, like, was it, was it a bloody mess? It was a bloody mess. Well, it just went bang under the wheel. It was just the way it under went. Under the wheel? Sorry, yeah. hit the no, window. No, no, it didn't. No, it didn't hit the window, no. Oh it it went under a wheel. I mean, that's how stupid the bloody pigeon was. Yeah. But I remember thinking, it's like that Mighty Mighty Boston song, um, where it's, um, if I've, you know, I've never been tested, but if I did, I, I think I'll pass. Right. I will not pass. No. I will not pass. I will vomit. I mean, and, and when you're talking about animals being hit by a car, it's hard to think of a smaller one than a bird. I know, I know. Yeah. It's dreadful. So when, when, when um, I spent <laughs> a decent amount of time in New England, as you know, and they have ser- obviously have serious animals there. Mm. And um, <laughs> I've never seen I've never seen one, but uh, my wife has, um, which is a moose. Right, right a moose. Uh, there was a, I think my wife saw one. There was, my wife either saw one. She said shared a video with me of, of the internet of it, and um, of a moose just walking on this dam where she used to go for a lunch break, and they are. Unbelievably massive. I'm mm. telling you now, they're so big. The adult ones. I think at the antler, they're 12 feet tall. That's antler, mad, isn't it? Right? So I think they're about eight or nine feet at the, at the shoulder. I'd love they, to see they, a they ride one of them. Well, this is the thing, um, and they're fiercely territorial as well. But what I'm, what I was getting to is when you drive up through New England because we spend um, sometimes sometime in, in Vermont every mm. year, and if you drive up through there, if you if you I always always think if you see a moose. And you hit it with your car because there are warning signs saying mm. "be careful." I, I'm pretty sure. Well, not pretty sure, but I think that moose has got a decent chance of surviving that, <laughs> and your car will be absolutely total, totaled, totaled, completely totaled. So, listen. Imagine how you'd be with that if it's a pigeon's got you got you on the, on the ropes. But I think if an animal grows that large, it's because there aren't many predators around, so they're probably quite soft. They're no. probably quite soft and and, and girly. What would inside. you do? How would you deal with it? Well, how would I deal with it? I'd Hitting a moose in your car. Well, you can't even drive, but if well, you're in no. your car, yeah. The only thing I've ever driven is a golf buggy, so <laughs> I can imagine... If you hit a moose with yeah. a golf buggy, nothing's happening. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'd have to drive a, a, alongside it and sort of push it over with a stick. Yeah, OK. And, try and hope that he loses its balance. It, would, it wouldn't be great to, to, to hit an animal that size in a car, is what I'm saying. No. It, and, and again, <laughs> I know I keep throwing this out to the listeners, but I am fascinated. If you've hit a massive animal in your car, yeah. please tell me. Don't, don't t- say a person. Don't tell me, no, don't tell me that apocryphal tale about you hit a deer and you thought it was dead, but it wasn't, so you put yeah, it in the back of your car off, yeah, and, then it, and it kicked your car in. Oh, right, OK. Yeah, that, people always say that. Why would you put that in the back I mean, of your car? I, I, guess that mu- I guess that must have I guess that must have happened at one point. Yeah. I don't think it happens to everyone. <laughs> everyone says it happened. <laughs> anyway, that's, uh, have you got another email? I've got... Uh, one more, if you want it. Okay. Yeah, this, is, this, is, this is an interesting, uh, interesting one. Uh, it's not really poo related, but it is toilet related. If that's right with you. It's not going to go in the poo special next. No, week. it's not going to go in the poo special. Okay. Uh, he didn't want us to use his real name, so let's go with um, Emmett. Emmett. Yes. Hi, Luke and Pete. I'm <laughs> Emmett. Uh, I work in a builder's merchants, and we have a large warehouse with toilets situated at the end in a rural part of Scotland. He's not called Weird. Emmett if he's from Scotland, is he? Emmett? Emmett's a quite a Scottish name, isn't it's it? American, isn't it? Yeah. Alright. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, my boss is a smoker and everyone knows it. But sometimes acts indifferent and takes long toilet breaks with the toilet subsequently smelling of smoke once it becomes 
vacant. Okay. So he clearly is doing a bit of smoking in there. Yeah. Feeling slightly suspicious of these smells, a few colleagues and I have tried to investigate. It appears that he takes an empty water bottle into the lavatory each time <laughs> and could be making some sort of homemade device to inhale smoke or other questionable substances. Who knows? Anyway, whenever you are okay uh, to go to the toilet and by chance meet him when he comes out, um, if you're far enough away, he will dart in the opposite direction. If you are too close to avoid him, he's, uh, he's always sort of hiding something under his jacket or he unashamedly <laughs> faces the wall and you have to conduct the conversation at the back of his head. Bloody awkward enough meeting someone when you're heading to the John as it is. I generally feel that he's getting away with this, perhaps thinking he's some sort of evil genius, but it's becoming more and more awkward. One of my colleagues mentioned the smell of smoke uh, one day in front of him and to give him his due, he thought on his feet and said, oh, it must be those dead mice, referring to some mice that we had a problem with a year or two ago when it was winter. Uh, not sure dead mice started smelling of cigarette smoke or other herbal items. My dilemma is, I do like him. Should I tell him to stop it? Uh, as if he was caught by high authority, he would no doubt be sacked. Or should I give him the benefit of the doubt that he will know to stop? I mean, how's this man got a job? <laughs> is he, I mean, is he, smoke, is, he, is he implying here the guy's smoking weed at work? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe. But, I mean, he he says that it just smells of smoke. So he, he why presumably that, must know the difference between weed smoke and tobacco why smoke. Why isn't an adult man allowed to smoke <laughs> and he's out on his break anyway? Well, yeah, not in the he, toilet. He shouldn't be doing it inside. Why don't you just go outside I know. I don't yeah, understand that. Confusing. And if you're going to smoke weed, go outside. Yeah. Less of a problem, surely. Yeah. yeah. But what's he doing? Is it is it him maybe just making like a makeshift bong, maybe? I mean, that's that. If you're if you like a bit of weed, that's, that's the first a very, thing I thought of. That's a very ornate way to do it, isn't it? I know nothing about this, Pete, <laughs> but I've I've seen some television programs, yep. and, that's the, and as a result of that, that's the first thing that sprang to mind. I ge I genuinely uh, can't stand weed. I can't what, do it. Why Why is this man? Why have you got to change this man's name for starters? Emmett. Yeah. What? Well, <laughs> and why have you chosen Emmett? Well, he wants to know our thoughts, and he'll, he's going to update us on an outcome. Is is, is the Emmett? Well, I think I think you should change him because it'll yeah. be great for the show. <laughs> <laughs> but Pete, is it, so the fact you've changed your name to Emmett, yeah. is this is this a name that you hold, you hold quite close to your heart? Because you, when you tried changing your name to PD that time at school, yeah, um, well that worked at least. I, I know. Well, for yeah. a bit, was, no one calls you it now. Do they, they? they they do. Some some people in Hartlepool still call would me you, PD. If, if you could have got, <laughs> you could have got pretty away. cool. <laughs> if, if you could have got away with it, would you have called yourself Emmett? Emmett. I, mean, I don't know. It's not my favourite name. Marmaduke Fairfax is probably probably one of the names that I would go for. Like, I mean, that's Marmaduke Fairfax Donaldson. That's ambitious. Fantastic. That, like, um, that's my role playing it, name it, back it, in the day. Was it? Oh, yeah, I was let's a not, knight. Let's not get into that. <laughs> um, it's like uh, when in, uh, when Walt Junior changes his name to Flint in Flint in Breaking Bad. Does he Isn't do that? that? Yeah, he changes his name to Flynn. Yeah, oh, I met him once. He's very handsome. Yeah, yeah. Shall we get on with Mankata then? Yeah. If you do want to get in touch, by the way, it's uh, hello at lukeandpeachshow dot com. Let there be justice for all. Let there be peace for all. It's one small step for man. You don't understand. Willie was a salesman. Say simply, very simply, with hope. Good morning. Willie was a salesman. I love that bit. It's my favourite bit. Mm. It's my, my, my absolute favourite bit of that. Do you know what that is? Willie, Willie was a salesman. It, well, what used to happen on Encarta back in the days, if you clicked on a certain subject, they'd have a mm. limited a limited amount of subjects which had a video in them yeah. or a piece of an audio file. Mm. So I guess it's just a clip from from whatever it was. I don't know which one it one is. One of my favourite exhibits was uh, David Boy, and it was just him going, "Let's dance." Yeah, it, that's uh, it. And there was, um, I think, under pop music, there was a David Bowie video. Was it? My mate Tommy oh. was telling me about it, saying that there was like a, I can't remember which one, Changes maybe, something like right. that. Right. Um, there, there, there was um, 
a good three or four years where CD-ROMs weren't very popular. Uh, that, for example, Windows ninety five came with three music CD uh, music videos right. on the actual CD itself. It was one of them was Weezer's Buddy Holly. Taking up too much space. <laughs> well, the, you know, the operating system was like mm, three hundred sixty megabytes, I reckon. And uh, the, the music. And what can video, you get on the CD? Six fifty. Okay, right. So you got half. You, you know, you're they're basically filling space. You're all right. They're filling space. Yeah. But yeah, somebody made it. Um, you know that legendary um, Weezer Buddy Holly video. Yeah. Where they're doing Happy Days. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Stranger Things kids did a lip sync battle um, scene where they did Buddy Holly. Right. By Weezer. Yeah. So it was basically the kids who were doing the fake '80s thing. Yeah. Doing the fake '50s thing. That they used to do in the seventies. No, from a nineties band. Yeah, ah, yeah, it's, it's meta. It's meta. Oh, no, yeah. wait. Let me get this right. Is the eighties kids doing the nineties thing? Set in no, the fifties. It was filmed in the seventies. So it's basically it's the eighties kids doing the doing the the thing that the nineties kids thing used to do with the fifties show filmed in the seventies. Yeah. Oh, imagine you Magical. Get, how many more decades can you get into one <laughs> exercise? That's incredible. They're very precocious, those kids, aren't they? Yeah, well, I they s- have to be, though. They're stage school kids. I saw, I saw one of the, the girl who plays Eleven, I saw her right. do uh, a rap of um, a Nicki Minaj song right. on, on, um, online. It was quite interesting. It was quite, she's, quite, she's quite good. <laughs> it's quite interesting. She's, she's only about 12. She's quite good. <laughs> um, right, Mencarta, I've got a bit of a confession to make here. What? Um... I did a good one, and I'm going gonna, gonna to read it to you anyway. I did a good one. Um, I've, I found a good one, but... Um, yeah, look, it's all going to remain. It's all going to re- become clear. Okay. okay. So, so basically, I want to in 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 induct um, a guy called Artemis Pyle. Artemis Pyle. Brilliant name. Let's agree with that. It's mm. a brilliant name. He was the drummer in Leonard Skinner. Right. Who are uh, a band? Uh, yeah. Freebird. Yeah, Freebird. All nine minutes of it. Sweet Home Alabama. All yeah. that stuff. Um, a southern. So I guess we call them a southern rock band. I suppose southern rock blues band. Did they lose um, a lot of members in a plane well, crash? Well, this is what I want to get onto. In 1977, they were flying from Greenville, South Carolina, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mm. Um, I guess to go do a show, play a show, whatever. And the plane ran out of fuel and crashed in a swamp. Now, this plane had previously been inspected by Aerosmith's crew. Yes, and they refused to fly in it um, so it could have been a different story um, anyway uh, sadly Leonard Skinner did fly in it and the, and, and, and the fu- plane ran out of fuel crashed in a swamp and it killed several members of the band um, and, and crew and stuff mm-hmm. killed several people instantly Artemis Parr who was the drummer at the time uh, he survived the crash he had some serious injuries including um, several broken ribs uh, but never lost consciousness throughout the crash I mean right. he basically hauled a load of stuff off him cr- crawled out of the wreckage and in swamp in the middle of nowhere yeah. Um, Crocs everywhere. Yeah, well, listen, this, this is where it gets interesting. So he hauled himself out of the wreckage through the swamp, where he was almost instantly attacked by a snake, but <laughs> fought it off. So plane crash, snake. After a while, he happened upon a farmstead where he intended to raise the alarm. The farmer came out, thought he was trespassing, and shot him. <laughs> right? Oh, no! So plane crash, snake attack, shot in the shoulder. Survived all that, lives to this day. I thought that was a fascinating sort of f- four or I five hours. I thought that was going to end with if he fell down some stairs. Unfortunately, I found out in the 90s he got done for being a sex offender. Oh. So I can't put it in. I, I, I don't know what to make of that, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, what can we do? He's like, I mean, what can we do? Do you that know what I mean? sex offender is invincible. <laughs> 
said it's T-1000. Come on. What? Sex offences are never funny, <laughs> despite you trying to make me laugh in the middle of it. That is an interesting story. But he's, he's not allowed in because no, he abuses kids or he endorses it at the very least. Let's move on to you. Which we don't. No. Uh, funny story about, not funny story, about uh, that particular crash. There's a film based on it that's coming out very soon, and the guy who's playing Aerosmith's Steven Tyler is the lead singer of an Aerosmith tribute band. Very good. And he looks very much like Steven Tyler. Well, They've I, done very well. I would hope so. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes... I uh, might have told you the story before, but I once went to Birmingham and I was um, helping out a, band, a mate's band's night thing. Charity do, uh, doing the announcing and stuff. And the there was a there were two tribute bands on. Uh, one was the Foo Fighters, one was Nirvana. And the drummer from the Nirvana band was the lead singer of the Foo Fighters. Great, that's lovely. Great. I'm having that. Isn't there a venue? I'm tempted to say it's called the Junction in Crew, which is dedicated to tribute bands. It's like, it's like the epicenter right. of the tribute band scene. Oh, like, like every night they have tribute bands on. Yeah, and it's, it's like, like the venue in Newcross. They've got a lot of that. Right, Bon Jovi. Uh, you know their tribute act is always on there. I saw a documentary on on this. I think I think it was a documentary or at least a little VT about this venue. Mm. And apparently, it's like the mecca of tribute bands. Why yeah. don't they just do a festival with like legendary acts? Yeah, and just run it over two I'm days sure they and do. just have. Yeah, they must do. I mean, no the, down, the downside is it, it's in crew. I mean, hello, <laughs> <laughs> people from crew. Right, what's your man Carter? Um, mine is the head of cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin. We've you know touched upon the yeah. cosmonauts and the astronauts. Um, why did they call them cosmonauts, and why did they call ours astronauts? I think it's just a scope. It's a different name for the same thing, I think. Yeah. Five or nine. Um, on the shores, on the south shores of Lake Isyukkul in Baskun, which is in the northeastern corner of uh, Kyrgyzstan, uh, is a giant face carved directly into a massive rock. Specifically, it's the giant head of cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin. Now, check out this picture. Okay. How cool is that? Well, that's amazing. That is amazing. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? Who did a, that? A big head carved out of a rock. That's that's fantastic. And um, it's a reproduction because the original was um, uh, when the USSR broke up. Um, somebody just put concrete on his face. But that is petty. <laughs> I mean, what I would say is. You know, priorities. Right. I want to find the Lithuania's person... Lithuania's fucked off. Let's get cement on your regard's face. <laughs> exactly. I want to find the person who did that and said, look, can we not just respect the achievement? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just respect the achievement. Because whatever happens... Your government's dumping money in the bloody forest. Yeah, go over there. Yes, go over there, mate. You might still feel to find the old shop that'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, it's a fantastic uh, face in a rock. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a beautiful piece of work. I would, for those Ironically, who, there's a Mars face has got a... The bit of Mars has got a face in it. Yeah, that's not. I mean, so it's just, spooky. I think that's just a coincidence. Yeah. No, we carved but, it. But I think I'll. Um, I'll. T- well, it would be impossible. I, I would. <laughs> you're, you're the science fan over there. I, 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 would, I would tweet. I would tweet a picture of that because you guys can't see it. But it's. It looks. It looks a bit like it could be an asteroid with a man's face on it. It's bloody beautiful. Why yeah. don't we carve um, freestanding rocks more? How to get a scale on that though? How big is it? Do you think? Well, it's bigger than that tree, so maybe it's tree- about as big as a, a, a. I'd say a big digger, Pete. Trees can be any size. <laughs> <laughs> they can. Oh, someone's been to Japan. <laughs> um, what's your favourite head? What's your favourite statue with a big head? Well, Have you I got mean, any? My, mine's definitely um, Karl Marx in Highgate. Oh, yeah, in okay. In Highgate Cemetery. Yeah, that's good. And, that's, and what I like about that is, you know, the gr- it, actually, he's buried around the corner in, in the Highgate Cemetery, and obviously you get the Communist Party or, or Communist members, they, they come down every year and they celebrate his birthday and they lay flowers and stuff. That's a great cemetery, that, by the way. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. But t- two, uh, I think two or three, um, two or three uh, graves down is Jerry Beadles. 
Is it? And on his um, on his actual um, headstone, it says writer, presenter, curator of oddities. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I what I would say is, man on man with beard who did pranks. I think I know someone who had a small hand in doing that at uh, Gravestone. Pathetic. <laughs> oh, did you say You're what, better than that. Did you say, what's your favourite statue, or what's your favourite... What's your favourite statue or big head? Well, because if you're talking about Russian statues, there's a mm. great one in um, Volgograd, isn't there, the Mother Calls, which is the, the one that's dedicated to the Battle of Stalingrad. Yeah. It's like a massive woman with a huge sword. It's m- absolutely huge. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. Is it like Christ the Redeemer-sized? Not quite as big. It's bigger, it's bigger. Is it bigger? What? Yeah, yeah it's bigger. Yeah, it's bigger. Oh, I, I don't think Christ the Redeemer is in the top sort of 20 statues in the world, in terms of size. Right. I mean, the biggest one is um, the Spring Temple Buddha in China, which is 153 metres tall. That's too tall. It's massive. It's massive. <laughs> but the, 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 um, the, that one the, in Game of Thrones, remember? Yeah. And there's <laughs> one cu- the gets. Lord of the Rings as well. Uh, <laughs> the, the Mother Calls, I think, was the biggest one when it was built. But there's mm. also a brilliant Genghis Khan one in Mongolia. He's on the back, he's riding a horse. He, he, he's, he was a rotter, wasn't he's he? Brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah. Br- he was a shit. There's, there's a huge. He was a, a shit. Apparently, a load what of a shit. Apparently, a load of people. I forget the percentage, but I think I, I heard about it. Um, a load of people in Europe are, can can in theory are in theory related to Genghis Khan. Okay, because he had so many children. I think he fathered like eight hundred children or something. That's too many. Yeah, that <laughs> is too many. <laughs> He's way too many. Have you seen the new um, Nikola um, Tesla um, statue in? Is it Palo Alto in? Um, I haven't no California. Oh, Tesla, yeah. Tesla, yeah, Nikola Tesla. Tesla. Yeah. No, I haven't seen it. Um, he emits Wi-Fi. Which I quite like. That's what he would have wanted. That's what he would have wanted, wouldn't he? Hey? Yeah, have you seen the film where David Bowie plays him? I forget what it's called. Oh yes, the... it's really good. Oh god, it's about magicians and yeah. it's got Wolverine in it. It's got it's got um, the Hugh... Conjuring. No, the no, it's, got, it's got Hugh. The Thingy Magic Men. It. It's Hugh Thingy and who's the other one? Hugh Jackman and um, Batman. It's called. Oh, it's got Scarlett Johansson in it as well. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Doesn't Batman. matter. Good, the, it... the Magic Men. Bowie plays Bowie plays Tesla in it, and it is called um, Watch Some Men Do Magic. <laughs> he, that uh, boy, is, was not a good actor. Oh, come uh, on. He wasn't. Come respect, on now. Respect the dead. Resp- no, never. Um, so, that's about it for us. Yeah, it must be Look, about well, let's, let's get out of here, for crying out loud. Yeah, sure. uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, as always, we, we can say that now. Yeah. We've done a few episodes. Yeah. As always, it's hello at lukeandpeteshort.com. Do get in touch. We love hearing from mm. you. Yes. And we both read all of your emails, even though we can't reply to them, because there they're genuinely are too many now. <laughs> there are genuinely but too we, many. We always love to hear from you. Lots of fun, more. See you next week.